Welcome to Game Changing Minds, brought to you by Oslo Business Forum in collaboration with Huawei. My name is Siri Bashum. I love my job. Getting the opportunity to talk to game-changing minds, pick their brains on what inspires them, how they approach challenges, what they think about this and that and the other, and especially what they think about technology, how they inspire others, their opinions and their reflections. And today is nothing different. I am so privileged to have a guest with true passion for technology. And she is an inspiration to countless Norwegian women. Today's guest is Isabel Ringnes. At the age of 33, the co-founder and chief evangelist 32. of Politi- Are you only 32? I'm 32. Are you Don't joking? Don't give me another <laughs> year, please. All right, okay. Clinging on. I am so sorry. We will start all over again. She's only 32. That makes it even better. So, uh, But she is the co-founder and chief evangelist of Equality Check, an organization which uses technology to help companies improve diversity and drive transparency and accountability in the workplace. She also founded Tank at an age of 25 back in 2014, a technology network for women in Norway, which aims to inspire girls to shape the world's future with technology. And she has been nominated for a long list of awards. And just to uh, name a few, uh, 50 Nordic's most inspiring women in tech, Norway's 50 most influential in tech, Inspiration Award, Girls Award, Digital Super Award. Isabel, uh, just out of curiosity, which of these awards that you've been given are you most proud of? Well, um, I'm. I feel very privileged to have been recognized in these awards uh, in the first place. Uh, it's always kind of like you don't really understand how you made it to one of those lists, but I'm sure many people feel that. Um, I was uh, rewarded a distinguished alumni from my uh, master's degree at uh, the new school, uh, which I was very surprised to learn. Uh, they called me from the school. Uh, told me that they were going to have a ceremony in New York. Uh, very coincidental. I was actually going to be there at that time. Uh, so I was called in to do like a, a speech uh, for the, the current, fa- um, current student body um, on what I'd been doing since I graduated. And that was incredibly special to me because it was so close to my heart. Uh, and it felt, it felt like my teachers had really watched my career after graduating, which was many years after. So I was, uh, I was quite um, proud then, I would say. Oh, I would have been as well. Uh, amazing. But, you know, I, and I asked this question to many of the guests. There are so many awards. Women this award, women that award. Do we need all these awards with the title women in them? That's a good question. I definitely think we need awards. Uh, and this is to highlight role models so that they become more visible in society. Um, and then I think one of the reasons why there's so many women's awards is because women haven't traditionally been recognized in the usual awards. So, uh, and when you tell the people uh, behind these uh, different awards, you know, oh, why are there no women here? They tend to say, oh, but there are no women in this field, or we just didn't find any. And that's not true. So a bunch of different game changers, uh, I like to call it that, given that we're on this podcast, have gone ahead and just created awards that are uh, targeted towards women um, and highlight women so that, you know, these these women are visible on their own terms uh, and hopefully they make it to the other lists uh, as well, which they, of course, belong in the in the 
from the get-go. But not to say that these lists, the women lists, are any worse than any other lists. That's not uh, that's not what I meant. I just meant that I think it's so important to uh, spend more resources and uh, prioritize uh, getting more women highlighted as role models. So, yeah. yeah. But, but, and I'm just thinking, like, we, we hear that a lot of the men right now, they're going, oh, God, another woman award. Um, they're a bit sort of fed up by not being part of being being able to be selected. Yeah. Do you think it's fair well, that they're sort well, of a little bit them, grumpy? Ask them, ask them if they've ever reacted to, oh, another award where there are 50 people who are nominated and there are two women on that list. Ask them if they then react to it. Uh, I think the reaction has been counter uh or it's been in the opposite direction very many more times so i think that the the fact that we're now seeing so many different awards celebrating the wonderful achievements of women is so important because we know that women have traditionally not been recognized in history yeah i agree i want to uh for our listeners we have listeners in actually in 42 different countries um that's also one of the reasons for this being in english um to include as many as possible so I want to get to uh, know you a little bit better. What have you done in, in your career? Um, and, I, and this is not a pickup line, uh, <laughs> but do you remember the first time we met? I do, very specifically. It was uh, one of the major moments in my career, I would say. I, uh, I was dreaming of a job in Google. And uh, of course, you were an executive there in the Norway office. I can't really remember how I was able to get that interview. I think I, I just emailed you. Uh, you called emailed me. It. Yeah, I called you. God, I was so brave. Um, and you uh, agreed to meet me. I think you realized quite soon that I wasn't the perfect match for the role because this role was a very uh, economically focused role, um, in, which is not my strength. But I was passionate about, you know, Google Loon and all the incredible things that are happening at uh, SpaceX or Google X. And you were like... Yeah, so that's not exactly what we're working with here in Norway. <laughs> and I was like, it doesn't matter because I want to work for a company that has this kind of purpose. So I was at an interview and uh, you called me in for a case. I locked myself in my apartment for 10 days. I did do nothing but read about the finance market and the future of uh, technology within this field. And I presented the case for you. It was probably like 52 slides or something. And uh, you guys were all quite overwhelmed afterwards. Uh, I ended up not getting the job uh, in the beginning. And then uh, I got another offer. And then you decided to give me an offer. And that was a very difficult uh, decision for me. I thought a lot about it. Uh, I went to the new school and talked to my professors on which direction I should choose. So the other job was a trainee position at Shipstead. And uh, as you know, I ended up uh, choosing Shipstead, um, mostly because it was a trainee position where I would have the opportunity to challenge myself in very many different fields, uh, work with many different sectors, different people, also in different countries, which seemed like the right thing to do at the time, given that I had no uh, professional career behind me, really. But I have thought many times, would, would life be significantly different if I chose Google at that time? I don't know. What do you think? Well, um, I, I was going to actually ask you that question, um, but because I was reflecting over um, when you arrived, I never Googled my um, interviewees before I interviewed them. Right. For a very special uh, reason. I wanted to get to know them before I knew 
what the internet could tell about them um, to get that first impression for myself. Um, and it, it was kind of interesting because you took me by surprise because in comes this blonde girl with a lot of makeup. Um, and uh, I knew I was taking a risk because you didn't have very analytical sort of skills. But um, when you came in and presented that case, I was like, wow. Uh, but I had to argue, um, I had to argue to my management again, why I wanted to give you the opportunity. And that took a little bit longer than um, apparently it should have, because I was too late to the party you had already accepted with Shipstead. I think that was a smart move on your behalf. Um, I think you uh, got the opportunity to try out a lot of other things um, that has brought you in the direction where you are today. So, uh, but for for me, it's been incredible to see you grow from that young girl with all that passion coming into um, and into you and and what you made made out of yourself. So, would you be able to just give me a short? Um, what have you been up to? Yeah, so there's there's uh, a lot of different facets to what I've been up to. But first of all, thank you for arguing on my behalf. I really uh, appreciate that. And I think that's so important because there are many people like me who are not the traditional hire, um, but still uh, are able to kind of learn, which I think is one of the most important things and skills of the future. I had already started at the time I was interviewing at Google a campaign called Hunspanderir, in which me and my co-founder Marie-Louise Sunde, who is today my co-founder at Equality Check, we started a campaign addressing unconscious bias and gender stereotypes. Uh, we worked with this outside of our jobs, my job in Shipstead, uh, for many years and reached millions of people with with uh, with with our uh, awareness campaigns, basically. And I also started, as you mentioned, Tank, uh, which was a technology network for women. Uh, first of all, it was aimed at uh, women my age and older to lean in and get inspired by technology, uh, get engaged with the field, want to uh, truly contribute to the development of the different products in their companies because suddenly this digital transformation was taking us and I didn't want to see women all over the place saying oh this is nothing for me you know I'm not technical all the guys will take this I did not want to see that because as you know and as you've spoken about in this podcast many times technology is truly the future and such a shaper of the world in 10 years and in like hundreds of years and thousands of years and it's so incredibly important that women and minorities are part of that development. So um, so that was the background for that. And then eventually that uh, shifted into engaging younger girls. Uh, so now we have several different technology camps where they get to get introduced to technology because a large part of young girls don't really aren't really interested in technology, unfortunately. And, and we really want to see them uh, understand the immense opportunities in this field. Um, and then I worked at Shipstead. So I was first at uh, at uh, Shipstead uh, Stockholm, where I was working at uh, with product and technology. Then I was in Aftonbladet TV, working with advertising. And then I uh, did something absolutely crazy and out of character. I applied to Singularity University Global Solutions Program, in which I was competing with fem five different other people uh, for a scholarship at uh, the Global Solutions Program at NASA Research Center in Silicon Valley. Uh, in which I, I, I guess, towards everyone's prediction, won that competition and was able to go there and learn about exponential technologies and how they can be applied to solve the world's biggest challenges from some of the most incredible experts within these fields. Why, why did you win that? 
scholarship? I, I don't know. Have they not, <laughs> have they, because it was them there, right? That yes, gave you that but there was a, there was a jury uh, consisting of several different people. But haven't they told you why? Yes, they told me. I mean, they they did, but I mean, I think the other candidates were uh, by far equally uh, qualified, probably even more. But they said that they were looking for uh, a personality aspect that apparently I matched. Uh, luckily for me. Um, because, I mean, we were presenting solutions based on exponential technologies, and I would not say that in any way my solution was, you know, something that could really revolutionize the world. But I think what they saw was that I was really hardworking. I did not give up. I, uh, wa- I didn't, you know, I'm not a technologist from the, from, the, from the ground. So I spent a lot of time trying to learn, uh, understand, and I was passionate about the field of health in which my solution was uh, applying to. Um, and they must have seen something. Um, I think they saw that this meant so much to me that I was willing to do whatever it took to to make it possible. So thankfully, uh, they gave me that chance and that changed my life. And after that, I moved to London and I worked for Venture and Foresight with, uh, at Sheepstead again with Azim Azar. And then following six months there, I decided that now it's time to go my own direction. I kind of quit my job without having 100% uh, decided what it was I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted to spend my efforts exploring different fields to see how they could be best spent in order to create a positive impact. So I spent a lot of time doing public public speaking uh, in the hope of in, engaging both, you know, Norway, uh, but also specifically young girls to choose technology uh, and to see the opportunities that are in t- technology. Uh, I wrote a book uh, together with my co-founder called Vem Spandered about unconscious bias and gender stereotypes. Uh, we started the company Equality Tech, which I'm now working full time at. We're 12 employees, and you know that's going really well. So that's exciting. <laughs> uh, uh, oh my yeah. god! Uh, it sort of the list is uh, extremely long. And oh, and I had a podcast with Oslo Business Forum. Yes, yes. you had. That's good. Um, I listened to that as well, um, and it, and that is actually very inspiring. And I think uh, there's still a lot of those episodes that are worth listening to today. Uh, I don't. Is it a year and a half? Two days? Yeah, years ago? we had the final episode right before lockdown so right. literally okay. like so march 10 or yeah. something yeah right. but actually i'm very curious about your career too uh, cd and I, I when i first have you here i also want to ask i mean you've made some tough decisions in your career you and i remember this very well because i was impressed uh you left norway you left your your husband and your daughter uh for for a good amount of time uh to go and do you know an incredibly cool project in silicon valley with google you know a lot of people wouldn't do that what gave you the courage to actually take that chance? Well, I, I think one of the reasons for joining a company like Google was the fact that you could actually work um, in other places than Norway. Norway is a small market. I wanted more. I wanted to experience more. And and my family wasn't very, uh, they weren't too open about traveling and moving abroad. So I think, therefore, they had this um, very sort of willingness. So I remember when I, I got I, I got the opportunity, I applied, um, and I got the the role. And I went home and I said, "You guys, uh, do you know what? I actually got this role. What do you think? Um, I will leave in three weeks." <laughs> and wow. uh, my daughter, she was like, "Oh, mom, that's so exciting." She. Uh, she thought I said and I said I would be gone for three months she thought it was three weeks so she mixed it all up so when she understood that I was actually going to be gone for a while she was like okay so I'll be home alone for (laughs) because her dad is so much uh, 
uh, he, he gives more space. He, he's, he's, I am like the, the person that are all into details and he's the sort of open guy. So, and then he looked at me and he said, okay, Siri. Um, and I, I talk about this in my, a lot of the uh, talks I have as well, where, where I tell about how technology makes things possible. Mm. Because I was also always the one that did the grocery shopping. So he said, well, can you continue to do that? Oh, God. And I was like, yes, I can, because we had Colonial, yeah. which is amazing. Um, and, and actually, next week, we will have, uh, now their name is Uda. We will yeah. have them as guests in the podcast, oh, so that's nice. going to be interesting. But I could actually do the grocery shopping from uh, the U.S. and Silicon Valley. Um, and then... And then I thought I, I, I had to show him how he did the washing machine and the tumble dryer. Speaking and of then, stereotypes, see, yeah, yeah, it seems like you have to work a little on this. <laughs> he's home. getting so much better. He's, he's, he's perfect now. So he needed that. But um, so, so that was that was what they said. And they just totally supported me. And it was uh, amazing to get the opportunity. Um, obviously, I missed them. But for me those three months it was like a, a, a working holiday because I got really time to be 100% invested and I learned so much I got so many new connections um, and I, I still spent time sort of thinking back on on those three months as uh, extremely valuable I've, I've, I've always sort of put up my hand yeah and said let's try that yeah and, and I think that has been one of the good things for me in, in my career. I haven't been afraid of doing those mistakes because it's, it usually, there, there isn't a mistake. If, if you fail, well, then you just learned. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's so inspiring with you because very often, and I think especially in that case, you would think, oh, but it's going to be so hard. It's never going to work because, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, who's going to do the grocery shopping or whatever. But it will always work. You always figure out a way. And if and then, you know, you come out on the other side and it was awesome. Another thing I wanted to ask you about is, I mean, you you decided to go from a high-level executive job at Google uh, to a high-level executive job at Huawei, you know, one of the biggest uh, competitors. How, how did you make that decision? That's a good question. That took me some time. Uh, but after 12 years at Google, you, you've kind of done that. And I felt that I'd I owed it to myself to explore more. We talk about how technology should help you to have a, to get an easier life. And when they give an opportunity to, uh, I would say, a blonde, um, I'm not young anymore, but uh, a blonde woman in Norway, the opportunity to work in a, an international high-tech um, uh, company, and have a global role, um, you kind of go, this opportunity, you will get this once in your lifetime. Yeah. And I grabbed it. And, and the fact that how we work and how we can really put, um, I can be part of helping people, consumers, uh, getting better solutions for uh, their finances or how they can solve their financial health. That is an amazing opportunity, and and I just I couldn't say no. Um, I've been I've been here for a year. It's gone fast, but it's been in COVID, so yeah. I can't wait. As you you're just uh, saying, I can't wait to sort of be able to travel, meet my colleagues face to face, and mm. and really sort of um, get hundred percent on board. Yeah. But um, you talk about inspiring young girls, and you are an inspiration. I have a daughter. 
She's 19, she is a uh, Rus, she's about to graduate and go out. She's, she's leaving for Boston um, in the autumn. Um, and uh, she follows you um, on Instagram. And, and, I to- <laughs> and I told you here the other day, I said, you know what, I'm meeting Isabel Ringnes. And she looks at me and she goes, what? Do you know her? <laughs> and I was like, okay, what does that mean? Does it mean that I'm so uncool that I should know her? Or what do you mean? But uh, she was like, well, I mean, she's amazing, mom. I don't think you managed to get her to move into technology yet, but she's very inspired by um, by by what you do. Um, and I said to her, okay, so um, since I'm the cool person getting to meet her um, and you're at home, then um, I can ask her a couple of questions of things you, you're wondering. So what would you ask her? And she, she has three questions that um, hopefully you can, you can help us answering. The first is, where do you find all the energy? Well, first of all, Celia, I'm very humbled uh, that your daughter uh, said that. That's very, very, very sweet. Um, and uh, you are as well a very big inspiration to me. I just want you to, to know that. My energy, I find it in gratefulness, and it sounds maybe, uh, especially in the Norwegian context, like a little bit blah, but I am truly so incredibly grateful every single day that my health is intact, uh, maybe even more importantly, that the health of the people that I love is intact, uh, that I live in a country that uh, takes care of society, uh, that is egalitarian, uh, where we get to you know, have a nice work-life balance where I get to pursue, you know, my passions within work, but I also get to enjoy a free, wonderful, active life next to it. I have wonderful friends. Uh, I'm surrounded by good people. Um, and I am so incredibly grateful for that. And that gives me positive energy every single day. I also find uh, a lot of energy from music. I listen to a lot of loud music, um, probably too loud. I'm probably going li- to lose my listening uh, <laughs> or my hearing at a very early age, but it's almost worth it. I mean, I just love listening to music and dancing, and that gives me so much energy. Yeah, I've actually seen you sing as well yourself, which is uh, <laughs> which is <laughs> amazing. <God>. <laughs> but then, then we that takes us to uh, her next question. Uh, she's going out to study. Uh, she's a very social um, young girl, and she says, "How do you balance social life and?" Or how did you balance social life and studies? Like, how, how do you manage to make sure you do what you need to do? But And how important is it to be social when you're a student? Right. I think it's very important. Part of the thing that you learn when you study is uh, interacting with other people, uh, communicating, collaborating, um, you know, thinking critically. And all of these things are not something that you can truly like, read yourself to. You have to be out there. Um, and it's an it's like a first chance at like meeting people that you haven't necessarily grown up with because that's typically the uh, environment at a student uh, organization or university or whatever it is. People are flying in from all over the world or all over the country and you're meeting people who are different to you. So you understand and you g- get to know new perspectives, new backgrounds, which is so incredibly important. There is a fine balance, though, because you you need to find time to study. I do believe that that is very important. Uh, when I moved to New York, I I was so far behind when I started uh, in in at my master's degree. Uh, I, you know, coming from Norway, I was used to being sitting at bay. You know, not really having to say anything in class, reading right before the exam, and just kind of like vomiting up all the information that I'd uh, accumulated. Whilst in New York, it was like you know, you were cold called all the time. You had to you had to be on top of all the news, all the books, everything. 
And for me, that was incredibly overwhelming, especially the first year. So I spent a lot of time locked in my apartment, just reading, just um, learning. And I think it's also okay to take that time if that makes you safer in yourself uh, as well. But uh, never underestimate the uh, the uh, importance of being social. So definitely prioritize that as well. But don't lose the focus. You need to you need to study. And then um, I'm glad you said that as a mom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I was going like, okay. oh, where's this going? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but then uh, her last question is: What goals did you set yourself as a as a young girl, and have you reached them? Uh, yes, I mean, I, I think I set many goals for myself. I don't think I've, and, and this is probably the wrong answer, but I don't think I had that many goals for my career. My goals has always uh, been to be, I mean, first of all, happy, but I think just being not scared and feeling safe and confident in myself and doing different challenges, which, you know, that takes a lot of time and experience and, and getting outside of your comfort zone. So I think my goal has been, you know, not like five years or 10 years of this is where I want to be. It's been from, you know, a week to the next, even like a day to the next. Like, can I get through this? Can I do this? Can I come out on the other side of this incredible challenge that I'm scared to shit of doing and feel like it went okay and be proud of, you know, either the result or just the effort that I put into it and, you know, feeling confident in what I bring to the table. I think that was my goal from... I was a young girl because I think a lot of young girls feel insecure and it's just an incredible feeling when you start letting go of that insecurity and you start understanding that what you are is good enough, uh, which we are, right? But at the same time, also always wanting to become better, which you naturally do become when you expose yourself to different challenges. But you said you you get scared? Oh yeah, of course. Don't you? I get terrified. Yeah. Yeah, yeah very nervous. Yeah, of course. But like... It's the difference of being scared and not doing it because you're scared and, a, and and being scared and still doing it because the next time that will be less scary and then eventually the things that used to be really scary to you aren't scary anymore and then you can start doing even more scary things and then, you know, that's how you kind of become better all the time, which is, that's, I mean, at least I'm, you know, wired that way. I, I always want to become better. I want to become a, you know, a better asset to my company. I want to become a better person to the people around me. Um, and I think you do that with the challenging yourself when you're scared. When It's when you're scared that you should say yes. Is that how you build your Instagram profile? <laughs> my Instagram profile is my playground. I have fun with it. I, um, I'm very much myself there. I think a lot of people are surprised because when I'm in the media and stuff, I, I heard this actually just yesterday from a, from a guy I'm dating um, that, uh, you know, I thought you were really strict. I thought you were very like business from top to toe. And then I went into your Instagram and like it was, you know, you're dancing, you're singing, you're in all these weird outfits and you're very much yourself. And and I think that's an important aspect to show if you're comfortable with it, of course, which which I obviously am. But that's a facet to the whole role model thing, showing girls that, you know, you can be a lot of different things. You don't. There's not one model to do the one or the other thing. You can you can be yourself and be your full self, and that can also be okay. But you need to challenge that because you know when we look at the history and the people who have come far, uh, we see very you know a very sliver, a sliver of their personality. And in today's world, we have so many options to show people uh, who we are and to be ourselves. And I think. I mean, at least for me, uh, Instagram and social media has been a good avenue to show that, and especially to young girls. 
I think. So, so if you um, read uh, or you're part of the social media, uh, read the newspapers in Norway lately, uh, there's been a, a lot of um, headlines and, and debates around how, uh, how, how we talk to especially politicians or people that have an opinion in social media, how, how we talk to them. Yeah. Have you had any bad experiences? Like, is it worth it? To, to go out there so you it's obviously it's cool to say I'm getting engaged it's maybe not that cool to say <laughs> I'm not engaged anymore <laughs> yeah. like so, so all the consequences um yeah. has there been any um, situations where you kind of go it's about time or maybe I should pull out of this So for me, that's never been an option. I am so fired up about what I do. I'm so passionate about the causes that I speak that for me, it would be impossible to be silent. But of course, there are pros and cons to everything. And you don't have to be as open as I am to speak about the causes that you care about. It's it's the way I'm wired again. I am very open. And I understood i mean my my dad is uh, also uh, you know slightly profiled uh, in the media so i've kind of seen what he's been through uh, in those terms so i've learned a little bit from that um and i've made my own decisions on you know handling the pros and cons and there definitely are the pros are that you do get more time to speak about the things that truly are close to your heart uh which i you know not everyone gets to Um, the cons are exactly what you say, you know, um, I say that I'm engaged, which is uh, great and incredible. And I'm so happy. And then suddenly, you know, a year and a half later, I'm not engaged. And then my breakup is all over the newspapers, which is um, interesting. But even in that situation, even if it was really hard, and it was it was it came out a lot before I was really ready for it to, to come out, but you know, rumors and everything. Even then, I mean, I got so much support from so many random different people all over the all over Norway where they were telling me about their own stories it made me feel so much less alone and uh, it made me realize that you know there are so many incredible people out there who you know for some weird reason care about the situation that I'm in uh, even if they don't know me at all and I don't know them and I think that's a really powerful thing so I've chosen to see that aspect of it And then, of course, you know, you do get criticized and you do get shit and people are going to disagree with you, but that's okay. Um, but then again, you know, and and as I'm sure that, uh, you know, everyone has now realized from all the different uh, media attention around the uh, especially female politicians getting a lot of crit crit uh, criticism the past, you know, years, is that we do tend uh, have a tendency to criticize women in the media for their looks and their personality and their gender uh, as opposed to men who we criticize for their opinions or their political views uh, which is very different because you know if we're going to have a healthy debate climate we need to be discussing the case that we're actually there to debate as opposed to the people bringing forward and I think the reason for that is that there are just so Uh, there's there's a lot few fewer women in the media and that's why they become they become even more visible and then we also do have traditions for criticizing women for basically everything we know that you know a woman can just do nothing right i uh, i actually um listened to a podcast on nrk which is called the norwegian the swede and the dane and they actually took up that they, they talked about this mm. like why is it that we we have to talk to women about We have to uh, be negative to them in regards to their body. It's just it's just very odd. But it's something that we tell young girls from their you know from their they're so they're they're six years old 
when they say that, you know, I am not um, fit for any task that requires brilliance and neither are my girlfriends. I mean, their confidence plummets at puberty. Uh, we are so obsessed with the way girls look, uh, both in the media, what we tell them uh, subtly and what we tell them direct. It's not weird that that's the kind of, you know, debate climate that we have, but we need to work to change that. Yeah. That's one of the many things that we should not be quiet about. And that uh, sort of we need to talk about about technology as well. Mm. I mean, that is, uh, I think, the thing that you and I have in common and also have sort of the um, diversity element in that. I work with the finance industry and, and I believe that we need to um, we need to work towards what we call financial health. We need to make sure everyone's on board and and not excluded. Um, and having looked um, a little bit on that issue, I've, I've kind of found that uh, there is something that keeps on surprising me. So I've been married for 20 years and um, I've moved about... 10 or at least we bought 10, 15 properties, uh, very sort of restless uh, uh, couple. And every time we we get a loan, he becomes the owner of that loan. So so we, we have it 50-50, but his name is always there as the, the main owner. And I was just sort of wondering, is that a coincidence or is it the system? Like we have updated techn- technological uh, systems in the finance industry uh, for over the sort of last 20 years. And why is it like that? And or is it like that? Or is it just a coincidence that, that that's happened with me? And I, I went in and I had a look and, and, and started digging. And there seems like three out of 10 women end up in the same situation. So it's been like this for I think forever, because in the old days, women were at home, they didn't have a salary, they didn't go to work maybe, and, and therefore it made sense that it was the man. But but we haven't changed. I'm kind of wondering, why do we have a system in 2021 that discriminates women in this way? Because they are left outside. Right. They're being told that economy is not important or you are not important well we do inherit traditions right and our traditions are very based on uh, gender stereotypes and the stereotype as you point out is that men are in control of the finances and women follow along which you know traditionally has been the case we've come a far way in Norway fortunately but we still have a really long way to go and I think what's interesting with this example is that it's kind of, it speaks to the fact that diversity in technology is so incredibly important because as we know, these algorithms are based on data, historical data. And if they, um, for example, use all of these different background histories uh, to predict who should get a loan in the future, and they see that, oh, by the way, all the people who have loans are men, those algorithms are going to be looking at that data set and thinking, okay, Men are good at having loans. We're going to give men loans much more than we do women. That's something that you're now pointing out. But unless you did that, that would probably just be embedded in the code. And because it's machine learning, we're not necessarily sure why an answer is given. We just know that it's given. And we're not able to keep anyone accountable for it. And it just continues on developing. And it's developing based on this data set that is so incredibly skewed towards the benefit of men. Society, in every aspect is geared and designed towards men. And it's so important to have voices like yourself, voices uh, within technology that are able to speak up, that are able to 
truly challenge the fact that everything that we've done until now might be might be wrong. Yeah, I actually called. Um, I know uh, the uh, VP of, um, of for you. private banking in DMB. So I called her, um, and she told me that she she found out uh, in. 2018 and she's changed it in the embed so now if you go there they should ask you who should we put this on should it be him or her which is such a basic thing i know yeah and and so i i applaud that and i think that's great i don't know with the other banks um hopefully they are moving in the same direction listening um, now yeah hopefully um but there are so many unconscious biases still out there. Anne uh, Bidden in, in Starling Bank, she also found that almost every sort of picture when it comes to finances are of men. And if you see pictures of women, they are uh, there. There's like uh, they would they would be dealing with uh, things in the house or uh, very small sort of petty cash. And so they've done a big study on that, and and they've also now made a, a a picture bank where you can go in, and there there are pictures that can be used by everyone, um, where you see that women are actually part of this this game. So so there are things to be done, but bring that to your um, equality check, and and how do you see data improving equality in the workplace moving forward? Right, so. The problem today is that we don't really have that much data on this. It's always like, you know, you say that what gets measured, what's get, what gets managed. If you don't count it, it doesn't count. And, you know, data on equality in the workplace, uh, there's no tradition for that uh, until now. It's like it's been a nice thing to talk about. Uh, you know, everyone kind of has these, you know, you have pride and you have uh, Women's Day. But it's it's very kind of like out there. You, it's not measurable. And that's what we believe is so incredibly important is to have concrete data on like what is the status today so that you can measure progress over time. Um, the other aspect to data is transparency. So it's not just data internally, but also being open about how your workplace is both being perceived, but also the hard numbers on, on you know, the makeup of your workforce. And we see that with almost all movements. It's transparency and more openness around a problem that truly starts to catalyze change. I'll, I'll just challenge you because um, the big tech companies, right? they give a report every year on diversity. They set a goal. We're not seeing very much progress here, are we? And, and I mean, my question to you is, do we see that companies are claiming to, to be concerned about this because it's the right thing to do, but that the top management and the leadership is still men and they don't really care. There's not a one size fits all here. All the companies vary a lot. We see that at Equality Check too when they get uh, you know, some report on how they're doing. Certain companies are incredibly concerned. They want to do something about it. Others are like, okay, let's just hope that this goes away. The first way of approaching that problem and in, in looking at the actual numbers, the data, trying to understand what it is that they can improve on, that's the right way to go. And it's also like this... Yes, uh, we're not progressing as fast as we want, but look at climate in 2015. That was also like a fancy, you know, uh, global solutions uh, or um, sustainable goal that you could uh, that you could be concerned about. Today, that's nothing. That's not. It's not a thing that you can just choose to be concerned about. Everyone's demanding that businesses work sustainably, and we're not. We're not 
close to the goal there yet, but there are major things happening in this field. And we believe that the same thing happened for diversity in 2020, that now diversity is not something that you can just talk about anymore. We're asking for hard numbers. People are demanding it. Um, you know, more and more women and minorities are going into leadership roles around the world. Unfortunately, we are seeing a slight decline um, in light of COVID, uh, which we definitely need to focus on and, and counteract. Well, yes, the technology companies are not moving as fast as we want them to, which is, you know, just um, not surprising. But at the same time, we do see that, for example, like Slack and Twitter and so on, they decided to change their coding language uh, not too long ago in light of the Black Lives Matter movement that was, um, you know, inspired again by um, the tragic murder of George Floyd, um, where their coding language has been very racist for many years. I mean, it's been, uh, they've used blacklist and whitelist and slave and master which they've now changed to use other terms, um, which is a small thing. But, you know, all of these small different things are what is going to, you know, in the end result in uh, substantial change. But then, you know, you see Google, you know, have, you, you work, you used to work at Google, so I'm kind of <laughs> careful in this example. But in 2015, they labeled a black person in their uh, photos app as a gorilla. Uh, they weren't able to, to change that, so you have to like remove the label. And then you would think that they learned from that, but then you find that um, just a few months ago they launched this dermatology app that uh, is based on a lot of different skin types where uh, it shows that the data sets uh, used to build these algorithms detecting the different uh, uh, skin diseases only have 3.5% um, people of color, uh, which you know may uh, result in overdiagnosing or underdiagnosing people of color. And you would think that they learned after that incredible mistake uh, in 2015. So it's important to, you know, continue keeping them accountable uh, at all times. But uh, I don't think that not anything's going to change unless we get more diversity in the people developing it, because you don't have everyone's perspective. So it's it's natural that these things are happening, but that doesn't make it okay. I couldn't agree more. Um, y you have just started a partnership with yeah. 24, yeah. 24, which is a, a financial uh, online newspaper in yeah. Norway. Can you tell me a little bit about that project? Absolutely. Um, so this is called in Norwegian, Mongfoldsbarometre, the diversity barometer, I guess. Yeah. Um, where we've aggregated all the data that we've gotten in from uh, all the amazing contributors that we have all over Norway, uh, who tell us, you know, every day uh, what it's like at their workplace. I mean, they don't tell us every day, but people come in every day and, and tell us from different aspects. So we've aggregated all of that data. Of course, it's anonymized. Um, and at every given time uh, or in uh, real time, you can see how people feel about the Norwegian workplace in terms of diversity, inclusion, culture, uh, equality, and so on. And uh, you can filter it by different uh, diversity groups. So you can see how ethnic minority uh, versus ethnic majority or LGBTQ versus straight feel about the workplace. Um, LGBTQ. LGBTQI. What's that? Uh, lesbian, gay, transgender, queer, queer uh, intersexual, asexual. Uh, yeah, there, there are many. Okay. Uh, there, there are several. Um, <laughs> yep. So, yeah. Um, and there are even more uh, abbreviations for that. But uh, in in uh, in interest of time, I'm just going to stick to those. 
so we're hoping that this website uh, and this this uh, collaboration that we have can make the conversation that we're having on diversity in the workplace more evidence and data and fact-based as opposed to anecdotal, which we find that it's largely based on today. So today, if you can go in and you can have a look at, at men, for example, white, white men, males, do they care about diversity? When you look at the data that you have today, do they really care about that in, in, in the workplace? Well, yes, they do, because we do see that there are 40% men that use our platform. Um, so we do see that there's interest there. Uh, and we're happy to see that because diversity and equality is definitely something that affects men too. We see that countries that are more egalitarian and equal are happier countries uh, and they have more uh, economic growth. But of course, privilege is invisible to those who have it. So And that will go for everyone who's part of a minority. Um, I'm white. I'm privileged. Uh, I'm never going to understand truly what it's like uh, to to not share that background. I really do want to, and I want I want to um, argue that case because it's an important case to argue. Uh, and I want to be an ally, and that's what I hope, and I want to inspire men to be as well, because it's you know just as much their responsibility. And a lot of the uh, a lot of the development on this field has been driven by women and it's been driven by women speaking to other women but if we want to go that last mile we need men to also take responsibility and be part of walking that final walk because as you've pointed out several times I mean they are the ones uh, who possess the majority of uh, powerful positions uh, at least in our private sector. Yeah I think the, the number that just came out is that within the Fortune 500 list, there are only 41 female CEOs. Yes. 8.2%. 8, so we still, we see progress, but we still have um, a way to go. Just one question um, before we, and I could sit here and talk to you um, and talk to you for hours, but you said something about technology and uh, health. Right. I think that's an extremely... Um, important or, or interesting feel that we're moving into um, I can see that we are actually we have the same watch yes and uh, for the first time I sit in the studio and we actually have the same phone which yes. is amazing uh, usually there Quality are for the win yeah there's the um, um, but that aside like um, the watch and if you think about the technology and the health aspect in, in what direction are we moving how do you see this can how do you see that that technology can actually improve our health well you know it goes back to a lot of the different things that we've talked about in terms of having data on things because uh, what gets measured gets managed and you don't of course you don't want it to go too far because you don't want to become a, a you know a freak that uh, can never do anything or live your life because you're afraid that it will affect your heart rate in some way um, in a negative manner of course because uh, uh, but but You know, I think that if you're able to m monitor yeah, yourself and understand yourself at a deeper level, which we now have the ability to do with all these incredibly um, powerful technological tools and wearables. I also have this ring uh, called an aura ring, which is just... That is interesting. Yes. Well, um, what is the difference between a watch and a ring? This one, so this one measures also my temperature. It measures my heart rate variability. 
Uh, it measures my sleep extremely accurately, even more accurately than the watch. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, I also actually use it as contraception. I'm not saying That's that everyone cool. should do that, but um, yeah, because your um, temperature falls when you have... When um, you're ovulate, or, 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 what is that? Uh, ovulating. I was like, ovulating. Yeah, ovulating. <laughs> um, and then it rises uh, right after. So uh, monitoring that over time will give you some aspect of, or give you some, uh, I guess, idea of when that is happening. I'm not saying you should use that is, as the is, only contraception. But do you but think that is made by a, a woman or is, is that feature made, made by, by a man? It's made by a Finnish startup um, and it's it's not actually developed for that. But there is another application designed by a woman in Sweden um, called Natural Cycles. And they have a beta program right now where you can connect your R-ring to their application. So it's uh, instead of you having to take your temperature every morning with like a regular barometer, you can now do it with your ring. So that's pretty cool. And I want to see more of these kinds of technologies uh, designed towards women to make women's lives easier and to not make it, you know, mandatory for us to, to you know, take all these different pills and insert things in our body to... Yeah, and I'm glad that men actually do wear rings as well because I, I do think that you will make a woman's life easier when she knows that her husband's health is in order. Yeah. Uh, and, you you know, heart rates and, and all of that. So 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 I think that's a, a good thing. Um, it does make you very much aware of how your daily habits affect your sleep, your respiratory rate, your heart rate, and you, you can... It's I have a readiness of 74 today, so it gives you a readiness score every day. Um, which is incredibly accurate. Like I was 90 on Monday, so I should have done this podcast on Monday. <laughs> so what's wrong today? Like <laughs> I didn't sleep very well. I slept no. four, five hours and 40 minutes, 41 minutes. Yeah, that that's something I've seen. Um, you know how you can be grumpy in the morning. Mm. And when I got the watch and I started to look at my sleep, I could go. Now I understand why I'm grumpy. Yeah. I, d- I didn't have a good night's yeah. sleep. Yeah. So that's how extremely important that is. And and I do think with your energy level, you need your sleep. So it's it's good to hear that it's actually. A, um, But I'm having a hard time sleeping these days because I'm so fired up about the fact that now the pandemic is like going towards an end, and we can like be out in Oslo. We can enjoy each other again. We can have fun. We can be. It's just. It's everything is so free now. So I'm like. I, I, I'm having a hard time sleeping just because I'm so excited, <laughs> basically. But I think that's a very good way to um, to end this talk, Isabel. Thank you so much for joining me today and being, again, so open, so transparent and, and also sharing so much of your your knowledge with our listeners. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Siri. You're a wonderful host. Today I talked with Isabel. We met for the first time when she interviewed for a job while I was still at Google. And it is amazing to hear what she has achieved. She's brave, she's smart, and she has a truly inspiring way of communicating how technology can play such an important role in improving equality in the workplace and how it can make life so much easier. Isabel credits her success to living on the edge of her comfort zone, to loud music and spending time both working and studying abroad. But what surprised me the most was that her energy and tenacity comes from being surrounded by friends and family, and that is something I can connect to. We discussed equality and how to increase diversity. Isabel says that what will make the change is transparency and keeping the companies responsible, even though we agree that we still have a long way to go. Equality Check is trying to make conversation on equality based on hard data instead of anecdotes. And a small step like that will lead to bigger change over time. This is really an episode worth listening to. 
You have just listened to an episode of Game Changing Minds, a podcast brought to you by Oslo Business Forum in collaboration with Huawei. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share the podcast if you find it valuable. And be sure to listen to our next episode if you want to discover more about game changers and what we can learn from them.